This is part two of my interview with Laura Reiser, who is a member of the Directors Guilds of America and a second assistant director. Welcome to the Curly Podcast. My name is Jasmine Porter, a freelance television and film professional. Each episode, I'll bring you a unique crew member from a different department to discuss their role in making a film. We'll give you exclusive behind-the-scenes stories and advice on how you can get your start, too. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to The Crew Life. All right, so we're back here with Laura. We're finishing it out. We're going to keep it going because we just have so much to talk about. I mean, it's just so complex. There's so much that goes into it. So I want to make sure you guys getting this information. I don't know where we cut off at, um, but we're just going to keep talking about being in the DGA. And we're going to go back because we were talking about the PA. So let's go back there. I know we only got to talk about... the key PA. Yeah. So let's move into a little bit more about the other positions, what you're looking for. So you got the key PA who basically runs all the PAs. Mm-hmm. You got the first team PA who's all about first team or actors. Okay. Um, all about the actors, getting them ready, mm-hmm. making sure you know where they are at all times, and just taking, generally just taking care of them and getting them all the information they yeah. need. Um, there's the background PA, which is, uh, that background is what we call extras. So they deal with checking the extras in, in the morning and getting them through the works, getting them through hair, makeup, wardrobe, um, bringing them to set, helping, Mm -hmm. maybe helping the second, second set them like on the set or maybe just being there to chart where they all are. Cause you know, background PA, you always want your background PA, like, Let's say you're you've got fifty extras for a restaurant, mm-hmm. and you put them down at like you sit them all in tables, and you've got people like coming into the restaurant, going out yeah. of the restaurant, and like sitting down on queue and walking through on queue and all that stuff. Like you have to chart that. You have to write it all down. Oh, you, you got to keep track of yep. what what's going draw on, what you're doing. Of the restaurant. You draw all the all the tables because you have to know where they are exactly. So and that way, because you're not going to keep them on set the whole time you're filming. You'll keep them on set for the first setup. Mm. And then, like, when you turn around or something and there's some setup time, you got to move all those people out of there. So they, so it's up to the extras to remember where they sit, but also it's up to the background PA to chart everything. Because gotcha. they might forget. Yeah, so exactly. they're going to come to you and be like, where was I sitting? Exactly. And you have to know. Or another chance, uh, chance that you would use the charts would be if you have to do a reshoot. And you want, uh, like, the same background, Continuity. But exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons for charting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the background PA is, is in charge of the background, signing them in, signing them out, getting them ready, taking them to set, setting them, charting them, that sort of thing. Then you've got the paperwork PA. So the paperwork PA does the PR, gets the manpower, um, gets the distro from the office, um, hands out stuff that the office sends, um, they will collect all the paperwork at the end of the night. So, like, if it's daily time cards or weekly time cards or start work yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's a lot. It is, yeah. They, um, they'll put that all in the football. And the football What's is the just... What's the football? All the football is... All the football is is basically an accordion-style folder mm-hmm. that goes back and forth between the office and set. And so all the paperwork goes into the football. The football is very important. important. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose the football. <laughs> unless it's empty, in which case you can just get a Get a new one, one yeah. Yeah, you don't want to lose the full football. And it's just called that because um, it gets passed back and forth. Like, I know usually it, once filming is over, like, I know it'll have, like, you know, sound reports, mm-hmm. camera reports. It'll yep. have, like, any kind of contracts. Yeah. Um, like, sometimes, like, the daily time. She's like, yep. it'll have that kind of information the in there. The yep. the background breakdown. Um, 
Yeah, all of that stuff. Do you know why they, like, or how the name of the football start came about? Because they pass it back and forth. Ah, yeah. Okay. It's so simple, right? Oh, <laughs> they yeah, go football. football. <laughs> because, you know, like, and it's kind of like, it's kind of arm size, so, like, you carry it under your mm-hmm. arm. It's kind of like that same size, like, you carry it under your yeah, arm. Yeah, like, that is ball. so funny. Um, yeah. I was always, I'm like, why is it the football? That's like, I just it. always thought it was so cool. That's it. Um... And so, okay, that's paper. Oh, and then the walkie PA. And then. In charge of all the walkies. All the walkies. All the walkies and the headsets and all that stuff. So they basically have to keep a running tally, a running inventory of the walkies. And, like, you know, they, that's, how, that's our main form of communication between all departments. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on a walkie with a headset. And so they have to track the inventory. They're in charge of that. They're in charge of keeping a master list of, like, what walkies go where. In New York City, it's actually, this was another thing I learned when I went to the city that I did not realize, but the walkie PA in the city is kind of considered the co-key PA, which is weird because when you think of the walkie PA, the walkie PA is kind of like the entry level position to PA. I've heard that, like, kind of anybody. Yeah, yeah, like the PA, the walkie PA is like, it's, it's very important. And it's very, um, you need to be organized to do a good job. But it's like, if you have just basic organizational skills and you're not lazy, yeah, you can do a good job. It's not that hard. So why do you think they consider it kind of like the... Um, Because that's like, you know, I'm not, I I think it's just kind of a natural evolution, really. Because a lot of it is because, like, for TV shows, I know we briefly touched on like the tandem units yeah if you have um it, a lot of times if you which have is like just an extra unit aside from the main unit exactly correct? that's shooting simultaneously gotcha. as the main unit but probably somewhere geographically very different mm-hmm. so it's like if you're shooting you know if your main unit is shooting um at like steiner studios in brooklyn but your tandem unit is going out to Red Hook. You have to you have to create an entire crew of people for the tandem. Now you unit. have two, two exactly, groups. yeah. And so it's really helpful for someone who knows the main unit people mm. to be able to be on the tandem unit, where you're going to have a lot of people who are coming in just for the day or just for gotcha. however long that tandem unit is. Um, and a good person to do that is a walkie PA because that is someone who. They've already pretty much done their job at the beginning, like mm-hmm. handing out all the walkies. Their day-to-day job involves like making sure walkie batteries are charged and setting up chargers yeah. and doing having an onset paperwork kit available. But they're kind of like the key PA's right-hand person in that mm. they're available to do, do stuff. Yeah. And so because you're interacting so closely with the key PA, you're you're starting kind of like to his buddy of, now. Exactly. Like you're starting to understand what all goes into being a key PA. And so you're the one that's probably going to be available to be able to key a tandem unit. So yeah. that's why it's evolved into mm. that position. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way before. It's like, I've been, like, yeah. Yeah, you can kind of compare, like, how a second, second AD is, you know, next to the first AD. They're learning from the first AD. And they have uh, to step in and run set when the first AD steps off. It's gotcha. kind of a similar situation for the That GTA makes sense when you explain it like that. Yeah. For sure. That makes, you know, I kind of can see it now. Because I've never thought of it that way. But when you explain it like, like that, I'm like, okay, Because yeah. they're the ones that are available. Yeah. Everybody else is tied up. They got to be in a lockup. Or, you know, they're dealing with the They're dealing with tap, actors. Yeah. They're dealing with background. They're dealing with the paperwork or whatever. But the walkie PA is generally the person who's available to do yeah. the, the thing that the key PA needs, needs. them to do. 
So let's, for you being um, an AD, what would you say is the most difficult part? Um, well, your challenges arise depending on which kind of AD you are. So mm. for me personally as a key second AD, I would say um, the biggest challenge for me on this job has been just really keeping up with all the various movements of cast that are coming in and out okay. of town. Because I have to track that. I have to know where they are at all times so that if something, if the schedule changes on set, I can be like, whoa, 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 we're not going to, this person isn't going to be in town. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to move this scene to this day, that's not going to work. We're mm. going to have to pay an extra week on their contract or, you know, whatever it might be. So that has, so for me, you know, and, and ultimately you just face a challenge by being as organized as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so what I've done is I've created like right above my station and like my workstation in the honey wagon. Mm-hmm. Where What's I, the honey wagon? The, so people might not. <laughs> <laughs> the honey wagon is the big truck on set uh, in base camp. Like, so there's a hair and makeup trailer, there's a wardrobe trailer, and then there's the honey wagon. And that's where my office is. That's where there are dressing rooms, sla- dressing slash holding rooms for the talent. That's where there are bathrooms where they can for out. base camp. Exactly. Um, and so I have my office in the honey wagon. And in there, I have like a cast calendar. So I'll be tracking like, okay, they come into town on this day mm-hmm. and they go out of town on this day. Is that typically where like a second PA, a key second PA will be? Key second ID? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Generally. On lower budget jobs... Um, a lot of times you won't have a honey wagon, mm. which sucks. Yeah. Because then what you have to do is you have to make your your office. You have to set up your office every single day, generally Somewhere. in background holding. Um, it's almost uh, always in like catering or holding or something. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I, I did an internship on Coburg. That's how how it was. It like they would sucks. just be. Yeah, it's awful because you have to set up everything every, every day, yeah. and then you have to tear it down every day. So you gotta lug in your your printer, your laptop, your all, all your, your paperwork, stuff. all your reams of paper, like everything, and it's just it's just a hassle to have to set up yeah your office every day. But um, but on a basic agreement job where you know everything is like mm-hmm. quote unquote normal, normal. yeah, you're <laughs> you're always gonna have a, a honey wagon yeah yeah. So, Laura, let's move into a little bit about the dynamic onset. We did touch base a little bit, but for you specifically, mm-hmm. because obviously everybody else's experience is different, so I want yes. to just talk specifically about you. Okay. Um, and not even on this job, but what has your dynamic been um, between, like, your first AD and then your second second? Like, what is that dynamic like onset? Um, so... The dynamic between a first AD is a second and a, and a second second AD needs to be very very tight. Okay. Because those are the those are the two ADs on set. The key second is generally somewhere else. They're in their office. They're getting call sheet ready. They're getting first team ready. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But you those are your main two ADs on set. So you have to have a very symbiotic relationship with that other person because if you see. If you see that the first, there always needs to be an AD on the actual set proper itself. Okay. And then you you generally want to organize it where you have the one AD on set and then one AD next to like wherever the monitors are set up. Um, so that means if you see your first, if you're a second second and you see your first AD walk from set to let's say craft service and they don't say that they're going, you just have to naturally step in to mm, cover set. Okay. And so, and that, and and being able to always see where everybody is, 
that is a very good skill set because you're just not people just don't have the time to be like okay I'm going to the bathroom okay I'm going to crafty okay I'm sometimes they just gotta go sometimes you just you just walk off like and that and it's and it's your job as a second second to see those gaps and naturally step in and fill them so you want to have you want to be able you want the first ad to trust you mm-hmm. and you want and as a first ad you want to be able to trust your second second to know like if you're all of a sudden without warning involved in a conversation that's very intense and that involves the director and the cinematographer and you're not paying attention to what's going on and on set you know you might have a camera operator yelling for second team mm. and second team's nowhere to be found so that's that's a good example of like a second second being able to step in and you know call for second team yeah. call for the stand-ins to come to set and, mm. and stand in and do their thing um so that you know like most like pretty much every relationship that exists in life it's one that's built yeah. on trust um and communication um so i would say i would say that that's it like what can be difficult about that relationship you know like not to say like oh this makes a bad first ad but like you know working with the ad's what i guess would you define as like difficult where you say like okay this was not like a good relationship that we had or you like all right this ad was like not great to work for like what determines those things um I would say easily it would be being an unapproachable AD. Mm. Because basically, you're, I mean, as a first AD, you're running the set. That is, you're driving the bus. That's you. So if people come to you with problems and you, you blow up every single time, like there's a digression in the day, like people aren't, people are going to stop coming to you with their problems and just try to figure it, figure it out and fix it themselves. And that's, always a recipe yeah. for disaster always <laughs> that's not the best way to do it exactly so it would be like yeah just being unapproachable i would say would be in my very humble opinion would be one of the biggest flaws that any first ad has yeah. um um so you know uh that, that that's really Main, that's yeah. really it or maybe or maybe you know also just not communicating well because that is the cornerstone of our department. It's all about communication. communication. It's all about communication. That's really it. Yeah. Like if something changes, everybody needs to know. And you're not telling them. They're like, well, yeah. How do like exactly? We don't know what's going on because yep. you're not telling us. Yep. So that would be it. Lack of not communicating well. And just losing your temper. Yeah. Like, not, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody needs that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I... We got it, enough real problems. Exactly. Why are you getting all loud right now? Yeah. Like, there, there, there are scenarios where it does pay off to get loud, but those are few and far between, and it is an old school mentality to need to have this, like, yelling first AD on set mm-hmm. that's making sure everybody's, like, on their toes and focused, and yeah. there are other ways to do that. And we're now, and I feel like in my generation and, you know, both before and now in the future, I think we're really, really coming to terms with that. And, you know, my my colleagues and friends, we talk about this stuff all the time, like yeah. about how it's changing, how first ADs are changing, how second ADs are changing, how everything is How evolving. PAs are changing. Yeah, how everything is I always exactly. hear, um, which I hear it all the time, they're like, uh, AD or somebody will walk by a PA and be like, in my day, we would never do that. Yeah. And you know what? It's helpful to know your history. Yes. It's helpful to know your past. But it's like, 
Yeah, back in the day, the PAs ate less. And now if somebody tells the PAs to eat less, I get very, very, very angry very quickly because I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. There's a hierarchy that exists for the reason of uh, a film being made because that's just how we have to make this film. There has to be a chain of command. Yeah. But when it comes to human shit, when it comes to like mm-hmm. fucking like eating... Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody's before anybody else. Everybody eats at the same time. Like, yeah. I cannot stand that. I cannot stand that. Yeah, I had, like, a, a similar, uh, yeah. like, a thing with that. And it was, like, um, like a comment made, like, no, we're all, like, uh-huh. like, oh, Cass needs to eat first or something like that. And somebody was, like, no, we're not. Like, mm-hmm. we're all going to eat. <laughs> like, everybody's yeah. everybody's yeah. eating at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Which, which, you know, I understand that. But I also, like, even in me, like, starting off, I'm, like, the other people shouldn't doesn't deserve to eat at the same time too. Yeah. You know, like it I understand. Yeah. yeah, I understood where it came from, but I was like, but I'm thinking. I, was I mean, like, sometimes you have to put people like at the, front ahead, of the yeah. food line. Like, like you go first for sure. If they have to be back in before the other people mm-hmm. do, like if they have to eat first because they have to work first, that's a different situation. Yeah. But like because the PAs are like the lowest paid people, and because they're doing all the grunt work. In my opinion, you know, the way I was just raised just in my family alone, like, my grandmother, if we ever had, like, family gatherings, my grandmother said, the children eat first. Like, that yeah, was her thing. The, the little kids eat first. The old adults, you uh-huh. guys gotta wait till last. Because the way she was raised was the kids eat last. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and I feel like that's kind of comparable in the industry, and it makes me so angry when I hear yeah. people say that PAs have to eat last. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. That's not how we do it. No <laughs> way. No way, no how. But again, that's like, you know, the ch- like changing. Like, you still yep. have some people who are like, no, they go last. And then you have the people who are like, mm-hmm. no. And so I think you kind of have exactly. that, like, conflict a little bit of like you know how you know how are we moving forward and how is it going to be yeah because that that's definitely interesting yeah that just moving just stepping outside of that old school mentality I mean I can see the changes all the time not and all the changes aren't necessarily good. good I mean it does I have to say it does lend itself you know being more empathetic mm-hmm. can all can lend itself to a form of laziness Yes. Um, when you, you know, like it used to be if somebody, if as a, as a PA, if somebody saw me sitting on set, they'd be like, what are you doing sitting now? Stand up right now. PAs don't sit down. Yeah. And now like when I see a PA sitting down, I'm like, I don't give a shit if you're sitting now. If you're doing your job, you're doing your job. Yeah. Now, probably it's better if you stand up to do this particular job to lock up this door because if you just like tell somebody oh we're rolling you can't go through the door like from your chair like what if that person is moving fast yeah you gotta go and get them you you know they don't hear you because they're focused on something else and then they just blow your lock up Mm -hmm. that's a situation where yeah i think you should be standing in front of the door locking up the door but at the same time it's like i I'm just, I'm not going to, I'll tell, I'll give you that piece of information, but I'm not going to tell you, you have to, you have yeah. to stand out the whole time. I'm just, I'm not, I'm Make sure you're doing do your job. And though. there, I, I know that there are other ADs that would completely disagree with what I'm saying right yeah. now. They're like, no, never that. sitting. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just not, that's just me. It's just, I'm just not. I'm Everybody not gonna, does it a yeah. little differently. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you and your work ethic and your attitude to, make good decisions and Mm -hmm. do the job properly the way that it should be done and if you're not doing that then I've made a mistake in my hiring process Mm. so 
you know, maybe you need a gentle reminder of something. <laughs> yeah. Or also, but also maybe it's like three o'clock in the morning and you're tired of shit and you <laughs> just need a fucking break. Like, yeah. like normal human shit. Like, like yeah. just normal stuff for... Like maybe like, your feet hurt a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's good to, it's good to be as tough and as strong as possible, but you know, shit. Sometimes yeah. you just need to fucking sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just natural. Yeah. So a couple, some of the last things I want to discuss, because um, I think we covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. You do deal with the actors. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that dynamic like? Like I know obviously you're dealing with people. So let's talk about like what that dynamic like is for you dealing with the actors and like the, some of the challenges and some of the benefits of doing that. Um, it's something that I always find generally fairly rewarding because um, it is... I, 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 like I've already mentioned, I do feel like I can understand what's not being said sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the dynamic is generally th- just like the dynamic of anybody else, like anybody else I interact with. Um, first, it's all about establishing a trusting relationship with a person so that they know that, like, if I'm giving them information, I'm not feeding them a line of bullshit. Yeah. And that's, I can't stand that. Like, I want to be trusted. I want I want you to know the reason why I'm asking you to do something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's not because I'm a jerk or, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, if I can't fulfill one of your requests, here are the reasons This is why. the reason exactly. why. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, most of the time, I would say... 90% of the time, um, everything is smooth and normal, and it's just like, you're here to do your job, you understand mm-hmm. that, and yes, it is a creative position as an actor, but if you understand the way that everything runs, like, you're pretty much going to understand why you have to, like, why you have to get ready three hours early and then just sit around. Like, it sucks, but also it's like, hey, you know, you could be out there, like, setting up C-stands yeah. and not and stuff, but you're not. You're just here waiting. Like, waiting is also part of your job. Yeah. Like, waiting around a lot. Yes. How, so how do you handle it? Like, if you, like, say... Or maybe you have had, like, maybe a difficult actor. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of handle that? Well, again, I'm, I mean, it... I just keep, I feel like I, I'm repeating myself, yeah. but it goes back to asking, to empathy and asking, why are they being difficult? What mm-hmm. is it that they want? What is, what is the insecurity that they're not voicing that they might have? Mm-hmm. Or what is the thing that they're trying to get? Or what is, you know, what is their goal? Why are they being difficult? And really trying to get deep yeah. and understand what it is that they want or need that they're not saying. So... Like, for example, let's say um, that we're running behind and there's an actor that's, like, just fucking tired of waiting. That might be, you know, and I'll, I'll go and I'll explain everything that's going on on set. I'll say, this is the reason why, why we're behind. We lost a huge light and we lost a generator. There had to be some money. We had to move the, the other generator that we had mm. around so that we could power this light um, you know, and we had to like call somebody out to fix the You're generator. You're just telling them what's going exactly. on. Exactly. I'm going to tell them what's going on. And then if there's, you know, if, if there's still some residual anger or whatever, you know, I try to talk about what, what is it? Are you, yeah. are you, are you nervous? Are you anxious? Are, are you worried about tired? something? Are you tired? Like, like, what is it? Do you want a snack? Are you hungry? Are you, do you hate sitting around in your wardrobe? Like, what is it? That you're... Like, how can we help you? Exactly. Like, 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 what's the thing that's bothering you the most right now besides, like, you know, just waiting, waiting. around? And a lot of times it, you know, a lot of times it's just, like, 
the insecurity of dealing with tough emotions because it's like if you're mm-hmm. going into an emotional scene, if an actor is going into an emotional scene, that that actor might be able to s- turn it on only f- when they hear rolling, you know, yelled out. Yeah. But normally, I mean, that takes a great deal of, of uh, focus and concentration and experience. Normally, um, actors have to deal with these emotions far in advance, like coming mm-hmm. into the scene. Okay. And so, you know, if they're going into a, a scene where... They just have to like break down sobbing like that. They're probably not easy. dealing with that before exactly. already in, in that exactly. state of mind. So it's me understanding like, what scene are you about to go into? Mm-hmm. Where are you mentally and where are you emotionally right now? And is this a freak out that's based on things that are actually happening? Or is this some inner turmoil that is leaking out and I'm just bearing the brunt of it? And and that's fine. Yeah. And I'm fine to be that damn against you know against the emotion that's 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 flooding out right Mm -hmm. now that's also part of the job so it's really 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 just figuring out i feel like you're so equipped for this i well it's something that i wasn't aware of do you feel like you're like this is like i'm totally equipped for this kind of job yes actually yes and but i didn't i couldn't have told you that before i got into this yeah i wouldn't have said you know what i would be good at being an assistant director i didn't know that there were 80s i didn't know there's a whole crew of people making movies how did you even get here yo exactly that's what i'm saying how did i get here (laughs) i don't know um i was um it, I, I generally, the story I tell when people ask me that question is um, I was in my last semester of college. I had two, I was an English major and I had a public relations minor and So you a definitely didn't minor. go to school for film? No. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, English major, you can either do anything with it or nothing, nothing. with it. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it's kind of one of those majors. Whatever. I just like to read, so that's why I fucking chose <laughs> like, that. That was English. literally the only reason. Because, well, actually, I like to read and I like to analyze. Like, yes, I that that's what it is. Like Laura, you're a very good like analyzer, or like you know, even when you take those um like psychology or I love, those like I'm like that that's shit. like Laura, like analyzing shit. and like reading into people because that's because we there's so many things that we feel and we think mm-hmm. that either we don't say or we're not equipped to say, like we can't say. Yeah. Um. So I really I, you know I, I don't I don't like to spend time like just bullshitting like I like to spend time thinking and talking and analyzing Mm -hmm. and going as deep as you know whoever is next to me is willing to go um and so and and yeah I didn't know any of this existed so I was in my last semester of college at the University of South Carolina go Gamecocks and for some reason and I don't know if this is still the case today at this school maybe it is but for some reason the public relations um uh, minor is listed and cross-listed underneath the umbrella of media arts hmm. at our school and so for some reason one of the um, classes that I was able to take for my public relations minor was a grip and lighting class oh, first wow. of all I didn't even know what that meant I had right, no like, idea what grip, grip and meant. lighting I didn't know I just had no idea yeah and so um it was That's one. so cool that they offer that class. I Just know. In general. Like we're gonna teach you guys a grip and lighting class. I know, and it was it was a you met one time a week for six hours at a time. Mm-hmm. But all the reviews on uh, I don't know if y'all I don't know if this is still around, but we used to go to ratemyprofessor.com. Yes, is that <laughs> yes. still around? It's still around. Oh, yes, shit, that's awesome. I used I'm like no, I don't want to take exactly. this class with that professor. Exactly. So we and I read the reviews on the professor. 
And they were so effusing and kind and mm. nice. I was like, I gotta take this. Yeah. This, this like, professor is getting amazing reviews. It meets once a week on a like a random Wednesday or like, whatever. I'm totally cool with it. And I fell in love. I fell in love with this class, and and I and it opened up a world that I did just had no idea about. I didn't know anything about it, and I wasn't. You just see movies, but you don't even think about like. I don't think about all those names that come on. I'm turning the movie off. Yeah, as soon as it scrolls, you're like, okay. Um, So I took the class. I did. I really enjoyed it. Uh, It was very, very fulfilling. And at the end of the class, I spoke to the professor, and she was like, "You're really good. You should pursue this." Um, and she said, yeah, I was like, uh, how? (laughs) And so she hooked me up with our, um, local film commission. Mm -hmm. And so I graduated that semester. So the next semester I did a free internship with them and they helped me get my first, um, I was actually the production secretary. They helped me get my first job on a very low budget indie movie in Charleston, South Carolina. And the rest is it's history. history. Yeah. And now you're here with me in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, now I, and because of that professor, I get to meet Jazz. Yes. That's thank awesome. you. Yes. <laughs> That's so insane. Like, it just comes from something as little as that. So. Because you meet some people who are like, they know they want to work in film. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like you who are kind of just. I knew that I wanted to be in some sort of creative thing. Like, I did, like, six years of improv um, mm. in and out of college. Like, and I. And I knew that there was, I wanted to get in somehow. And I just wasn't sure. I didn't, but it was such a general thought. Thought. Like, I mean, when I took this grip and lighting class in college, I was also taking the LSAT. Like, I thought I was going to, yeah, I thought I was going to law school. Um, And That would have been, like, just complete opposite. I'm so happy. I'm (laughs) so happy I didn't go to law school. I can't picture you. Well, whether that means anything good or not, but like I oh yeah, of course I, I, I can't like, either. I can't, I can't either. I'm you being so, a lawyer. so 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 thankful. I, I think you'd probably that. be a good one though, just because even how you deal with people and I think mind. it would be a lot sadder. It doesn't say I don't, but I don't think you would be as mm-hmm. maybe fulfilled. Mm-mm. Not at all. It, yeah, I think I would be very, very, very sad. Or you maybe might be not. good. Or maybe you not. Know. You know, maybe I'd, I'd... Maybe it could be the next chapter of a law. <laughs> hey man, and and that was kind of actually some of my thinking about it. I was like. Law school is always going to be around. Yeah. If it's I change my mind, go. I can always go to law school. Yeah. Whatever. It's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. Wow. So glad I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm so, glad you're here. Me too. Me too. Wow, that's insane, Laura. I had no idea. Yeah. Man. So there's, I mean, so, and there are all kind numbers of, of ways. To get in. To get in. And not only to get in, but to stay in and to find your own path. I was like, going to say, do you, have you found it, you know, difficult to like make, because like, you know, I've realized, like, even, like, talking to my family, um, quick story, I was like, mm-hmm. she was like, so what are you doing after that? I was, I was like, you know, I don't know, like, the next job, I don't know what it is yet, but it'll come. And she was like, are you going to keep doing this for the rest of your life? <laughs> and so I think they, people who are in it or don't understand, like, to them, it just doesn't maybe seem like a real job yet, or it's, like, only temporary work, because essentially it is temporary. Yeah. But I'm like, that's just how, that's just how it works. Yeah. So, like, how has it been for you, like, because, you know... Luckily, you already already have your second job lined up after mm-hmm. this. But like, how has it been like staying in the industry? Like, do you ever feel like, all right, am I gonna keep doing this? Like, I don't know what's yeah. next. Or like, you know, how has that been for you? Oh, freelance work is always stressful. At, mm-hmm. at the very core of it. it, is extremely stressful. I mean, recently, actually, this past winter was the longest period of time I've gone without working. So, my last job ended. <clears throat> 
at the beginning of October 2017 and I just did some day playing AD work mm -hmm. like additional AD work all winter long and I didn't get my next job until it was like April wow so I spent all winter so I have a job outside of the industry that I work with um, mm. I work with a small local construction company that renovates brownstones in Brooklyn. What? Um, I, I, really, I really like woodworking a lot. And so I just wanted to learn a whole bunch of stuff. So that's what I spent doing all winter. Like I would like I would be an additional AD whenever people would call me, but nobody was calling me for staff jobs. The winter was really weird. This is the first winter in eight years that I haven't had a staff job. And it was so amazing. What do you, like, for, so for you, were you not nervous or did you feel okay? There was, I certainly had some anxiety for okay. sure for sure but that anxiety you know was balanced with the knowledge that everybody goes through this mm -hmm. ad's especially um or i should say especially as you move up in your career okay um it's very normal for this to happen and also it was like i was really enjoying where i was at just in my life um yeah. not having to work on a job all winter the previous winter, I had been on a job that was awful. I hated it, but it was good for money-making purposes. Yeah. I was able to stack a lot of cash, and part of me doing this really difficult nine-month job that I hated... What made it, it difficult for you? Oh, the people and yeah. the content and the length and... You know, all that stuff that we talked about, bad ADs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. All of that. Yeah, it was all of that. <laughs> all of that. And, and that, and that was, and the knowledge that I went through this very difficult experience made the, the following winter, last winter, the winter of 2017, mm -hmm. a little bit easier for me to be like, you know what, I'm okay with this. I'm happier now. This I'm doing something I want to do. And there's always going to be jobs out there. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to stress. I mean, I was certainly anxious. And to a certain of my very <laughs> close friends, I'd be like, well, maybe I'll just never work again. Right. I, like, I feel like you go through You're like, okay, this is it. Like, yep. I guess I'm not yep. working. I guess, <laughs> I guess this is over. This was a good part of my life. All right. I guess it's done on. now. Yeah. But, and that was, and that was another reason why I was doing more construction work was just to, you know, have this outlet and to start something that I could fall back on. You know, what's so interesting that you said that, Laura, is because like, I've always been interested in like real estate and housing. Yeah. And I'm like, I've always like wanted to work in film but I'm like I also want to do housing stuff I want to learn how to you know do construction but not be a full construction worker so it's just so interesting that you do that and like I can look at you and like Laura does it so yeah like, I can do it you too. can absolutely do it and especially real estate like if you, I mean you can always get your real estate license yeah. I know a lot of people not in, not necessarily in our industry but who have full-time jobs who also have their real estate licenses yeah. that you know they dabble in it I mean you might not be like I gotta be no yeah. super successful if you don't focus on it mm -hmm. but you could probably sell like you could probably sell some stuff yeah. like a couple times a year a few times a year you know if you make those connections and you start doing yeah. your research and you get involved for a like, few months important to kind of have something else too with like yeah. this freelance like yeah. you know just sometimes like you said like it hasn't been in eight years but that eighth year like you had nothing exactly. in a winter and so like exactly. it's nice to have something else yeah yeah it was it was Freelance work is always stressful, period. Mm -hmm. And there have been other times, like, 
um, that I've gone through periods of unemployment as well. And of course, you can always draw unemployment mm-hmm. from your state. I actually have never done it, but that I mean, I'm not passing any judgment. Obviously, yeah. it's just I just haven't. It's You're like I'm active. dealing with okay. the paperwork. Yeah. Really, I just don't feel like dealing with. And the then paperwork. it takes forever. Then they then like you got to keep going back <laughs> yeah, and forth. Yeah, but I know a lot of people who do yeah. who have it set up and it works out really well for them. And yeah, I mean there are there are plenty of ways to um, to both be in this industry and yeah. others. Um, yeah, that's that. I mean, that what will makes never you continue. not be stressful. I continue doing this work. Um. It is rewarding, and I'm making more money now than I've ever made in my life. I grew up on a farm. We grew up very poor, mm-hmm. um, so that's been a different thing that I've that I've been experiencing in my life is just having more money, money where yeah. I don't have to worry, worry about rent. I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about clothes, and I, it's different, and it means a lot. On top of that. Um, the creative aspect of it, the knowledge that, like, you know, when I'm not working, I've done like friends' projects, and that is the like that's some of the best. Doing what? Being a second AD, or well, back in April, um, I was a first AD on my friends, a uh, first AD slash co-producer on my friends' mm-hmm. job, um, and that was a highly, highly, highly rewarding experience. Um, I just, I absolutely love doing that. And that's and really, you know, I mean, I feel like most people who are with who are in filmmaking have some sort of yes, creative definitely. goal. I mean, that's almost anybody you talk to. I mean, and mine, you know, and most people's are writing, directing, producing, yeah. like the big three. Those are the big three. Um, and that's and that's where I want to go. That's where I want to, you know. I ultimately, I want to, I want to be a part. Of something that I'm proud of with people. What do you that see that as? What? What do you see that being? Um, I I see that being producing independent films or and or documentary films with the people with my friends with my closest friends that mm-hmm. are in the industry. Um, that's 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 it. That's yeah. the goal. Working with good people about content. Good content, content that means something. Content that means something with people that mean they yeah. mean something. You know, like people that I trust and love and respect, both personally and professionally. That's huge, yeah. and that's it. That's the goal. I don't really care. You know, I don't. I I do not care about being rich and famous. I care about having a comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, and I care about you know the people, mm-hmm. the people that I'll. That you work with and that you're around. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. That's really all it is. So, Laura, before we go, um, just some advice for people who want to work in this industry. What would you say to them? Don't stop if you really want it. Don't stop. And understand in wanting it how difficult the job is. Yeah. That if you want to be a part of the filmmaking process... Like the actual filmmaking process where you're there on set day to day, you need to understand how physically, Demanding. mentally, emotionally difficult this is. It's not easy. Um, if you're okay with that, don't stop pursuing it. Yeah. At whatever cost. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. There's a, it's really busy right now. It's always busy yeah. in the summers. New York City has stayed busy for a number of years. 
um, Atlanta is another place Atlanta's that's like in. New Orleans is uh, going. You know, Louisiana's going back and forth with their tax incentives, but they're not. They're not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, L.A. will always have. There's always, always going be. to be spots there in L.A. I'm. Um, I have never worked in California before. Do you want to? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that I don't not want to do, but it's not You're something not I'm like, pursuing whatsoever. Yeah. No. No. Um, if I were to work in California, I would want to work like in Northern California. Okay. Like, you know, like a, yeah. like a independent movie calls me. You know, like, shooting, I don't want to be in L.A. They're shooting in Humboldt or something. I'd be like, yo. I'm down. <laughs> like, I'm on the next flight. Whoa. Um, but, yeah. No. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Don't stop. Have a good work ethic. Have a good attitude. People, if you get on a set or in whatever capacity, mm-hmm. people will recognize hard work and they will... Remember you, I promise you that so yeah. much. I mean, it even if you think, like, if you go into it with a mindset of like, oh, I'm gonna get real close to the director and buddy up, and you can do that. Yeah, sometimes. but it's not. It's just not likely. Yeah, and it's probably not going to be the way in which you do it. It's not impossible, and it's certainly not unheard of. Mm-hmm. But your way, your way to be successful is to be is to have a good attitude work as hard as you possibly can and just you know don't give up but also like if you get into it and you realize this isn't for you that's okay too yeah like that's fine you know like go in try it out like figure out what resonates with you and and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and go from there well thank you so much laura oh man like it's so much stuff that i didn't even know you know that i just learned you know it is a lot and so there's always going to be so much more um but just thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us so happy to be here and like explaining certain things like you know getting into the dga like how many hours we got to have what the process is like um i just think you know even like the general pay rate like it's just a lot of things people don't know and granted you can go on a website but when you don't even know yeah exactly that's the thing you You don't don't even know how to navigate the dga website yeah like you would like normal people aren't gonna know in order to find the rates that you gotta go to the dga website and then you gotta go to the rate cards, and then if you wanna look up like low budget, you gotta go to the AD slash UPM low budget rates. Like you gotta navigate the website, and you know. So if you don't know. Exactly, you don't know what to look for. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like exactly. it's just as simple as that. And so I think sometimes people wanna work in film or they wanna do these things, but they don't even know where to start. Especially, like you said, like if you don't you don't know anybody in it, you don't have any family members, you grew up on a farm, you know, exactly. like it's, it's not even like when you go to school, you think of like, okay, be a police officer a doctor a lawyer like you don't even think of like there's not like okay you can be an AD on a film you know it's not one of those things that are like on that little list that you start thinking when you're seven and so I just people don't know about it so yeah thank you for explaining no problem and talking to us Laura I love you you're awesome so thank you so much (laughs) thanks for having me I want to thank you all for tuning in to part two of the fourth episode of the Crew Only Podcast with Laura Reiser. I hope you enjoyed listening to her talk about how to join the DGA, what an AD does, what they look for when hiring a set PAs, and what all of the set PA positions are. If you learned something new, if you found the conversation interesting, or even if you didn't like it, send me a DM on IG at Jasmine Porter. I want to know what you thought about it. 
Share this podcast with your friends. I want to make sure we get this information out to anyone who wants and needs to hear it. Make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a review. Stay tuned for the next episode. I sat down with Rafael Mentia, who is a set PA who wants to work his way up in the camera department. He is also a freelance photographer and videographer, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Thank you.